As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first game week edition of the 2022 season of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And the Bills are getting ready for their first game, their debut, the NFL debut, going up against the Rams at SoFi Stadium out in Los Angeles. Uh, it, It should be a pretty fun game. So we're going to get you ready with uh, with you know some of the things that we're thinking about heading into the game. Of course, we'll bring back the timeless. And because it it uh, he is now back himself, the Shaq Lawson prediction hour. There was another word in there that I forgot, but I'm going to get it. Got to get back in these game reps. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll get to that by the end of the show. Uh, but Matthew Fairburn, game week, like. I, it, it's always felt like this has been a ways away. And then now, at basically since the holiday weekend started and the Bills practice on Sunday and Monday, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go to Los Angeles in, in like two days. This is this is real now. Yeah, this is one of those classic uh, Sunday is Wednesday, Monday is Thursday type of weeks when the week gets jumbled with the Thursday night football. And another first for the Bills uh, in this regime where they've been checking a lot of those boxes, you know, of winning division titles, winning playoff games, hosting playoff games. They're playing in the opener, which I think tells you a lot about where the expectations are with this team. It tells you a lot about where they are in terms of being an entertaining product, a compelling, entertaining team. Uh, one that the entire country is not only talking about, but everybody wants to watch them. People want to watch Josh Allen in this offense. Everybody's talking about Von Miller. The expectations for this team are through the roof. Uh, as, as high as I've seen expectations for a team that is not defending a title, in quite a long time 
at least, uh, you know, reaching back into my memory, the it, it's almost presumed that they will represent the AFC. And the AFC is so tough. It, it's amazing mm-hmm. to me that with how much has happened in the AFC, all the additions that were made, all these teams loading up, the Bills have still emerged as as not only the Super Bowl favorite, but a favorite among analysts. You know, it's not just a betting favorite. It's, you know, people are picking them to get to the Super Bowl and in many cases to win the Super Bowl. I know fans have their their minds set on February as well. So it all starts Thursday night with a great barometer against the defending champs in Los Angeles, a team that's returning a lot of talent. So this should be a pretty good gauge of how ready they are to handle the stage and the expectations and everything that comes with it. Yeah, the expectations, it just uh, triggered my memory a little bit because back in June, I ran the, uh, for a second straight year, I ran our Bills fan survey. And it's actually kind of uh, unbelievable how how much people are thinking about the Super Bowl as for, the, for what needs to be considered a success. Uh, I got... A little over 2,000 responses to this, and 53.7% of those 2,000 people said for the Bills season to be considered a success, they had to at least make it to the Super Bowl. And then another 33% on top of it said, oh, they need to win the Super Bowl for this to be considered a success. So quick math, 86.7% of fans to that survey, again, that's only 2,000 people, but I think it's a good little gauge for maybe what we're talking about here. 86.7% of people in that survey said Super Bowl at least or bust this season. So that just kind of sets the tone. And that was back in June. That was before training camp got going and uh, people started to see them for the first time. They felt the the overall push from from what the Bills did in the offseason, signing Von Miller, reformatting their entire defensive line. Um, And Von, as soon as they signed him, my immediate thought was, oh, they're playing on, on on the opener because Von Miller going up against the Super Bowl champs, he just won a Super Bowl there. He loved it in L.A. It was this big... You know, decision between the Bills and the Rams for Von Miller that wound up coming down to, you know, who ponied up, but certainly um, where he wanted to continue his career. It's just, it seemed like it was uh, a natural fit for the Bills and the Rams to be playing in, in this game opener. Now we're finally here. So I think where I wanted to go with the conversation today is maybe a little bit big picture for the season because last time we covered the roster and and uh, some of the the ins and outs of that, but um, and there will be a slight amount of crossover. But I really wanted to get into some of the the biggest things that could be deterrents to the Bills this year. You know, it, there's a lot of momentum for them, and and certainly they've they've got a lot going in their favor with how talented they are from. Uh, almost one through fifty-three, they they certainly seem like they're on pace to be another have another good offensive season. But I think there are some 
pivotal questions that will need to be answered throughout the year, uh, whether it be from injury or maybe some adversity and some things that they go through for the first time. So there is a, a legitimate amount of of things that we can we can consider. And and top of mind, I know we spent an entire episode on this. I think it was right after you you announced you were coming back, Matthew, was about this notion of Ken Dorsey. And Dorsey to me still remains the biggest variable as to what could go right or what could go wrong this season. And there's just it's a multi-layered conversation because of how uh, how it could go, but Ken Dorsey and him being in this spot and in this spotlight on a Super Bowl favorite for the first time, it's it's a really intriguing thing and and one that we need to we need to weigh like, okay, how much of a drop off will there be between from Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey? And I don't know that it's it it's getting as much thought as it needs to, but as, because Dorsey's still an impressive guy, but even even still, this is like one of the biggest questions that this team is facing this year. Yeah, I think when I think about Ken Dorsey taking over the offensive play calling, the bigger piece or the bigger question, because this isn't something you get answers to during training camp or the preseason. Because when the lights come on and he's calling plays, that's when he shows who he is and what he wants his offense to look like. And I think it's more a question of what will his mentality be? What will his overarching philosophies be? More so, for me, at least early on, than is he finding the right rhythm and pushing the right buttons it would be understandable for it to take time for that to sort itself out. I think that's to be expected. It doesn't necessarily have to take time. They could click right away. He's not new to, you know, having a hand in play calling. At least he played the position. He's, you know, been in these meetings uh, with Brian Dable and Josh Allen. It's not so new that, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he hits the ground running. But if it takes them time to to work out the rhythm and call in the right play at the right time, it's a very tricky balance and art form that is calling plays in the NFL. But I think what will be more telling is just philosophically what type of offense he wants. You know, are they going to... And this may not be something that's answered on opening night, but over the course of a season, Brian Dable was not afraid, regardless of what people would say, regardless of at times what the head coach would say, of leaning on the throw first, second, and third if he had to, because he knew Josh Allen in the passing game was what was going to win them football games. And more often than not, that's exactly how it went so you know stuff like that and the types of of passes that ken dorsey is going to want to implement and how it all fits together but his mentality how aggressive he wants to be 
how much pace he wants to use. Those things, I think, will will show his personality as a coordinator more so than nitpicking the day after and saying, man, if he really would have called, you know, this deep crosser or, or this or that, that type of stuff, you know, it took Brian Dable time to figure all that out as well. He was on, you know, what, try three as an offensive coordinator by the time he got to Buffalo. But figuring out the personality of your offense and also the other piece of it that I think is Brian Dable's biggest strength and something that you don't want to lose is the ability to adapt to the personnel and play into your players' strengths and week to week being willing to change based on the opponent that you're up against and being willing to throw to Isaiah McKenzie uh, and get him 11 catches if you see a matchup problem, Uh, being Mm -hmm. willing to lean on a certain player if the matchup calls for it. It's, you know, one of those old philosophies Dable stole from, you know, New England uh, that was, you know, beaten into his head there of being willing to adapt week to week and being very matchup oriented in your game planning. It can be tricky to fall into the pattern of Josh Allen is so good. Stefan Diggs is so good. It doesn't, you know, we're going to do what we do and make them adjust. But I think what made the Bills offense so dangerous is how deep they are and how Brian Dable was willing and able to get the most out of so many guys on the roster so that he could tweak a game plan to hurt you with a guy that you weren't expecting. That's how I think an offense can hold up over the long haul of a season and you know be one of the top offenses in football the way the Bills have been over the last few years. I'm almost not even concerned about what it's going to look like in the first week of the season because I think there's still a bit of, I guess, the what's hidden behind the curtain now with Ken Dorsey. Like, for the most part, teams know what the Bills are going to be with, with Josh Allen, but the concepts that maybe he wants to employ that, that will catch the Rams off guard, uh, I would not be shocked at all to see this, this offense to come out swinging in the first game of the year in, in what could be a, a pretty high-scoring contest between these two teams. My biggest question is what happens when teams start to counter what, what Dorsey has put out there? And how much is he holstering throughout the entire season? Because there is an art to that as well. Um, not showing your entire playbook in week one and then allowing everybody to kind of uh, to catch up to, to where you were. That, to me, is another compelling piece to this. So what happens when, let's say, fourth, fifth, sixth week of the season come and maybe the Bills are having a... Uh, uh, a an offensive drought of sorts where you know it's they're not really converting uh, drives into touchdowns there's a lot of field goals happening like that kind of kind of stuff happens because teams catch on to what you're trying to do and and defensive coaches are smart they know how to defend certain concepts and that's where you always have to be pivoting which is why Brian Dable was so 
good at what he did because of what you pointed out. The fact that he was willing to adapt each and every week. The willingness to adapt is something that the Bills had not um, had with their offensive coordinator until Dable got here for as long as I have, have been covering them. And, you know, it's it's usually with a lot of play callers, you get, you know, the system is the system and we're going to do what we're going to do, like, like you said. But that's not always the way to go, especially when you have such such a dynamic and deep uh, room of offensive skill players this year. And they have stuff this year that Brian Dable simply did not have at his disposal uh, last year, even over the last two years. They have a, a slot receiver now in Isaiah McKenzie who can turn up the field and and make a huge play as opposed to, you know, finding the soft spot and then settling down. Gabriel Davis can make a humongous play deep down the field where they really didn't have that with Emmanuel Sanders last year before Gabriel Davis took over. And then um, before before him, John Brown, when he uh, seemed to have lost a step back in 2020. So the Bills didn't, didn't have that dynamic element. And they also didn't have a really good pass catching and route running running back out of the backfield like they do now with James Cook. So there are a lot of different things that the Bills can utilize and it's on Dorsey to figure out what to do from a week to week basis spotting those weaknesses because Dable was relentless throughout the week and we heard it so many times from so many different people how relentless he was in spotting the opponent weakness and developing a game plan about that. It's one thing to spot a weakness because teams are going to know what their weaknesses are. It's how you develop a concept to continue to make that weakness weakness a thing for them throughout the confines of a game and and you know setting up a uh I guess, a, a series of plays to help set up that weakness for a big pop play. This is, this, these are the nuances of an of in-season offensive coordinating that Ken Dorsey just hasn't gone through yet, which is why I am so compelled to see how it goes past the first couple of weeks of, of the season. Um, once we get into late September, October, late October, I think that's when we're really going to learn what Ken Dorsey is as an offensive coordinator and whether and how big of a gap or how small of a gap there is from him to Brian Dable. Because you said it yourself, Dable had a few stops ahead of this one to where he could try a bunch of stuff out and fail. And so he knew a lot of what he, what worked and what worked for him in terms of, you know, preparation and um, and and implementation of game plans, and where maybe he kind of took the bait on on a weakness where it wasn't it wasn't as big of a weakness as maybe he thought. Um, these little things that you pick up over time, it's just it's just natural in any job. You you get more comfortable the longer you're in it. And for Dorsey, he doesn't he doesn't have that that bank just yet, and so that's why he's such a compelling topic. Yeah, with Brian Dable, you were talking about a coach with about 20 years of experience before he got to Buffalo. And a lot of that experience was in New England. Some of that, you know, a couple of years as a defensive assistant, uh, you know, with 
uh, under Belichick and being, you know, when you talk about being able to spot an opponent's weakness and formulate a game plan around it, I think that perspective certainly benefits Brian Dable when he's seen how the entire operation comes together and not just one piece of it. Uh, you can That's really, you can really see the game a lot more holistically when you have that background and to have gone a few places and tried and failed. He had what three different stops as an offensive coordinator before Buffalo. He was a quarterback's coach, you know, being around quarterbacks like Brett Favre, Tom Brady, you know, that type of, you know, seeing just very different preparation styles, I'm sure between Brett Favre and Tom Brady, but having so much in your bank of knowledge to draw from on a week to week basis, Ken Dorsey just doesn't have it. And we've seen young, relatively inexperienced coordinators thrive in the NFL before. It's just going to be a matter of being comfortable enough, being his own person. If he really wants to put some twists on the offense and do things a little bit differently, or is he going to take time to come out of his shell in that way and not want to mess up a good thing. I I do think there's, there's a balance there because like you said, you need to be able to counter, you need to be able to have answers and everything that the bills put on tape is out there from last year. A lot of it's still going to work because you have really good players, but you're going to need to develop your own ability to adjust and to counter because Brian Dable was really good at it. And it was a lot of stuff that you that never saw the light of day, right? It was just showed up in the results, but it was because of what Dable was doing from Sunday night until Saturday, adjusting the game plan, taking input from players and, you know, finding those weaknesses and exploiting them that I think is very much a learned skill. And, you know, one that Brian Dable had, had honed over many years. So, We'll see. I mean, it's unlike, you know, Dable tried and failed at a few different spots as an offensive coordinator before Buffalo, but he never had Josh Allen until he got to Buffalo. And so that's a, a mm-hmm. big, you know, a big plus for Ken Dorsey. He has a quarterback that he's worked with already that he knows very well and who is among the best in the league at the position and who can do a lot of different things and open up your offense in a lot of ways. He can take a lousy play call and turn it into a 70 yard touchdown. If the play breaks down and and he extends it and finds somebody down the field, that's, you know, in his nature. So that could cover up some things while, while Dorsey learns, but it's, it's definitely, it's easy to pick that out as, you know, the, the big variable with this team, because it is, the unquestioned strength of who they are and what they do as a football team. And a big piece of that puzzle is going to be different this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, how that shapes out will, will certainly define what they become. But like you said, it may take until later in the season to get a real idea of exactly what the bills are dealing with and, you know, who Ken Dorsey is because you need to see him go through the ups and downs because essentially what you go through over a 17 game season 
is going to be condensed. You almost go through that every week in the playoffs, it seems like, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, countering and, you know, uh, just the, the back-and-forth seesaw battle that can be a playoff game in terms of the adjustments in games and the the high level of stress. It, it's almost like those are condensed seasons in a way. At least the even the playoffs itself, uh, you know, finding a way to quickly adjust who you are and what you're doing on a week to week basis is absolutely crucial to making a deep postseason run. And there's a lot of coordinators out there, I'm sure, especially in the AFC, that have spent a lot of time this offseason figuring out what it is that that Josh Allen and the Bills offense did in those last two games in the playoffs and trying to figure out a way to to stump them. And that's going to be Josh Allen's reality for the rest of his career because of the player he is, is he, he just gets that much more off-season attention. Of course, every quarterback gets the attention of the defensive coordinator uh, of the team they're playing each week. I would hope, unless you're going up against, you know, a Rex Ryan coached defense or something, and he may be going to baseball games or paying attention to something else, but it's the quarterbacks who can catch the attention of coordinators during their off-season study and I think Josh Allen has entered that that territory, probably has already been there for a couple of years, and, and there's coordinators out there trying to figure out how they can be the one to slow him down and stop him. Not that he hasn't been slowed down. He had some games last year that, that were human, but they want to be that guy when it counts to be the one that, that stumped Josh Allen in this offense. Yeah, and a, a lot of this – conversation with Dorsey it's also within the realm of possibilities that there that there is no drop off I, I think with him I'm I'm most interested to see how many new concepts he kind of he kind of brings along and um, whether or not he's just trying he's basically saying all right I'm not going to change anything Brian Dable's offense is is what I'm going to to go off I don't think that's him because I think he's He's more conceptually based than than uh, than a lot of other coordinators out of there. And I think that's it would just be from, a mistake too, don't you? Yeah. Yo, a hundred percent. It would be a mistake to to just say, "All right, we're just going to keep going with with Brian Dable's offense because we we know what works here." I mean, you can take a lot of the concepts because those were carefully crafted over time, but still have your your own ideas, and that's kind of what may has made Ken Dorsey such an intriguing guy because of his mind and how he has developed over the course of his playing and coaching career. So there is definitely a scenario here and and we've seen it in the past in in other places where maybe an offensive coordinator moves on and then the young the young offensive coordinator that that takes over in their place just kind of um shoots to the moon right right then and there. So you know, there's probably it's probably somewhere in the middle as to where where this will go with Dorsey, but I think for him, it's just developing his own his own instincts and and figuring out what um, what works best for this group of skill players because it is a lot different than last year. I mean, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, they're all the same, but. They didn't have Gabriel Davis till late last year in a full role. They didn't have Isaiah McKenzie at all. They didn't have James Cook, like I talked about. You know, Zach Moss seems re- refreshed this year. Dawson Knox is is one year better. Um, 
and and then they've got depth besides it. So this is, I, I think, for them in trying to utilize becoming more a more explosive after the catch offense is where I think they could really take shape under Dorsey and setting themselves up in, in that way because a lot of what the concepts that the Bills ran last year, and, and some of it had to do with how teams were defending them, were a lot of comebacks, not a lot of yards after catch. And that's one area that, that they really stressed in the offseason, that they they needed to be better. And we've heard Ken Dorsey use the term rack again and again in press conferences so far this year. So he's, yeah, there's, there, is, there is definitely a world where Ken Dorsey becomes the next big thing as an offensive coordinator. And then the Bills have to worry about whether or not a team is going to scoop him as a head coach. But they're not there yet. Probably two to three years away if if Dorsey hits from that happening. And and then we'll see exactly... Uh, we just have to see exactly what he is. Um, it could be quicker other, than that. I don't know. It I, could, I feel like it when could. you get to the point where the Bills are those things can start to happen a little more quickly. Um, and it would take a very good year and, you know, all that. But it, I think it happened a little slower with Brian Dable because there was an element of waiting to see how it would hold up, right, you know, the development of the quarterback and the offense. But also him as a head coaching candidate given, you know, his different stops and, you know, it's like, was this just Josh Allen at working here? And he didn't get a ton of interviews, but now I feel like, you know, you look at some of these other offenses that, you know, are at this level and it does seem like it can either happen really quickly or it can take, you know, a little bit of time because, it took, it's, you know, taken some time, obviously, in Kansas City um, before the enemy um, has, you know, gotten opportunities. But I don't know. I, I could see it happening really quickly with a guy like Dorsey if things go well. Like a year yeah. or two, you know, he if it goes well, he could get interviews this year. Even if it doesn't go amazingly well, he could get interviews this year I think he's that his background is frankly just what is in style at the moment uh, in the NFL Mm -hmm. and I think I'd be curious to see how it plays out for him how his his coaching career goes he seems like like the type who could have a quicker rise than most that maybe three years would be would strike me as long for him but who knows um, it, a lot of it will depend on how things go, and that's going to start playing out on Thursday night. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, he's uh, he's certainly a buzzy name, and like right as you were talking, uh, I I just saw a um, an article posted from our our new Vikings writer Alec Lewis, uh, who said the the pitch for it was uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell's meteoric rise from star college quarterback to Vikings head coach, and I'm like, yep, that checks out. As you were talking, I'm like, oh, this is perfect timing <laughs> because yeah, Kevin like O'Connell's a number one of those guys, ex quarterback. You know, some time as an offensive court. You not don't even need that much time as an offensive coordinator. It's these ex quarterbacks mm-hmm. with the offensive background that are you know kind of seen as these brainiac wizards on the passing game that everybody's looking for. And not I I think what makes Ken Dorsey potentially a stronger candidate in that mold is not. You know, he didn't have just one year. It's a couple of years. He could claim part of Josh Allen's development, it feels like, because of his time as a, a quarterback's coach. And he strikes and me as somebody And how much Josh who, vouched for him to get the offensive right. coordinator job. Like, I don't know he gets that job without Josh. He had the uh, passing game coordinator title, I believe, in 2021. Maybe yep, I gave it to correct. him a year earlier than that. Um, and... He strikes me as somebody who would interview well, um, probably would interview better than Brian Dable, uh, frankly. I think, you know, Brian Dable was going to be somebody that needed the right fit and needed some reps interviewing for those head coaching jobs. So a little bit of a tangent, but I I do feel like he could be a a hotter candidate than, uh, you know, like hearing three years to me was like, well, if things go well, I don't know if I would count on three years. They got what four out of Dable, or was it? Yeah, yeah. So and that was. I think two is probably the sweet spot yeah. if if things go well. Get here. some interviews and then yeah. you know another year, and he'd be a really hot name and hot candidate, and you know a guy that has been in locker room, you know, been in that Miami locker room and and led that team, and then you know as a player and then getting the experience as a coach, a little bit of administrative experience. I don't know. He's going to mm-hmm. have an interesting resume, and if things go well, I mean, they've got the uh, the insurance already in place, right? They're, it's uh, Joe Brady's ready to step in. So sure. it's, it's yeah, all good absolutely. soon. Josh Allen will just be his own offensive coordinator. <laughs> that's that's definitely how it plays out. It, when you said it, it, it took Dable a few reps, uh, I I could just picture him being in an inter- interview room, just being self-deprecating as all hell, <laughs> just just crushing himself, uh, being serious but still like interjecting that humor because that's kind of who he is as a guy. It, you're right; it, he needed the right fit. Uh, certainly didn't hurt that um, he was on basically a four-year interview with Joe Shane uh, in before before getting the head coach job of the Giants 
so so yeah, uh, you're, I think you're right there that that Dorsey would be a bit buzzier if if things go right. Um, the other big question that I wanted to get into that we kind of chatted out chatted be- about before the show is the idea of the pass rush. Um, because obviously it is a lot different than what it was last year. Five out of the nine players that they kept on their 53-man roster were not on the roster last year. The new the new guys, well, two of them are old new guys, but they're still new to from what they were the past couple of seasons. Uh, Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson I'm talking about, but they're like the, the cursory players. The, the key additions that they brought in were Von Miller from the edge, uh, Daquan Jones, um, who is a run-stuffing one technique, and then Tim Settle, who can play both the one and the three technique role at, at defensive tackle. So all of this, combining with Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, and Boogie Basham, has the Bills feeling extremely optimistic about what their pass rush could be this year, and hoping that while they're going through some struggles at the cornerback position early on in the season at least, or at least they hope only early on in the season, in having their their mentality almost flip to where they are a, a great pass rushing team that can help bail out the cornerbacks rather than the secondary bailing out the pass rush for not getting there quickly enough. But the, the big question about this pass rush is how much better will they be than than what they were last year, and can they finish? Because that was the biggest thing. Jerry Hughes, uh, you talk to any person in the Bills locker room, like like I've even gone through and and chatted with uh, with a few guys this week, and they bring up Jerry Hughes was elite as a pass rusher. Jerry Hughes was was great as a pass rusher, and that that he really taught the young guys a lot of stuff and and how well he was able to play deep into his career and he's still like you see some some snaps from him in Houston he still got it but now they brought in Von Miller who is a finisher and Hughes that was the one area where he wasn't as much of a finisher as they would have liked so now Von Miller how differently is this whole thing going to be and I think that's that's one of the keys to their season and in, in going the way that they hope it goes I'm really interested to see how Von Miller plays you know, how he performs given his contract, the length of his contract, the financial commitment that they made to him and his age. You know, I think he showed at the end of last season that there's still plenty left in the tank. And I don't think this is the case of him taking a big payday with a team that's not a contender and cashing some checks as he rides it out. He wants to continue to win. He wants to continue to be a productive piece of a Super Bowl contender. It's why, you know, the money tipped him, I think, to to Buffalo, but it wouldn't have if they weren't a team with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. He's obviously got, you know, a lot of feelings towards the Rams and had a really hard time leaving L.A. And he spoke this week about, you know, the way – the Rams kind of rejuvenated him. And, you know, with that midseason trade, how it really sparked sparked him. And, you know, mentioned rushing alongside Aaron Donald. And I think popped into my head that, you know, he's not rushing alongside Aaron Donald anymore. Ed Oliver is not Aaron Donald. And 
you know, this team is a little bit different in terms of how they use their pass rushers and how they rotate. Will they want Von Miller playing that huge chunk of snaps that that he's used to playing? I mean, down the stretch last year with the Rams, he played 80% of the snaps in, you know, every every one of their games at the end of the regular season. So, and then in the playoffs, you know, it went, it was right back up there in that range, you know, a couple, um, you know, a little bit lower because they blew out the Cardinals, um, you know, but it was high seventies, low eighties. So how are the bills going to use them? How are they going to, you know, what's the plan going to look like to keep him fresh throughout the course of the season for when it counts the most and when he performs his best, frankly, is when the lights are on in the playoffs, when they need him. And so I just find him to be, of course, he's a fascinating addition to this team because of the star power, because he's going to be a Hall of Famer and, you know, he's got the personality and he is, you know, just a a megawatt superstar. He is, you know, a big name who has the production and the personality to back it all up. And I'm interested to see exactly how it all looks because they have not produced elite production at pass rusher very often under Sean McDermott here. And they've tried a lot of different things. They've drafted a lot of players, signed a lot of players, and finally seem to have just said, you know what, screw it, let's go get one of the best pass rushers of all time and, and see if that mm-hmm. fix the pro- fixes the problem. In theory, it should. But, you know, the cliff can come for pass rushers at different times. It doesn't seem like physically Von Miller is approaching that. Mentally, it doesn't seem like he's approaching that. But pass rusher can be one of those spots where it takes some feeling out to, you know, figure out how you're rushing with certain guys and how it all fits together and, uh, you know, schematically getting into the rhythm of playing maybe a different chunk of snaps. I don't know. Maybe they'll adjust their philosophy and just let this guy go because that's how he gets into a rhythm. But pass rushing can be more of a rhythm position than people think. Then, you know, it's not quarterback, you know, where everybody's mind goes to that, you know, needing to be in rhythm and needing to to fit with the pieces around you. But I do think that matters as a pass rusher as well. And I think a lot of what happens with Von Miller I think he's going to get his and he's going to have his games. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens as soon as Thursday night, given all the emotion that he'll have going into that building and wanting to, uh, you know, show out against his former team. But I think a lot of over the long haul of the season, what will matter to Von Miller and getting the most out of him is what they get out of all those guys that you mentioned, the additions, as well as, the young pass rushers, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau, taking some attention off of him, taking some of the pressure off of him, and being able to pass rush as a whole unit, not just it being the Von Miller show. So what the rest of those guys look like will play a factor as the season unfolds. Von Miller can get his on a, you know, on, on a play-by-play basis and, and a week-to-week basis, but when you've factor in playing a 17 game season and and making a deep postseason run 
it needs to work as as a whole unit and it just hasn't often enough for Buffalo to get to that next level and if Von Miller is everything he's chalked up to be then he should be the guy that not only as a player but as a leader can get the most out of this group and finally take it to the level it needs to be yeah I think Vaughn and how they utilize him is one of the more compelling aspects to even just week one. Where they utilize him is is so compelling to me because I think he can rush from both sides. He definitely seems like when he's rushing from the left side, there's just a little bit more to him. But the inherent problem with that is that Greg Rousseau is a left side rusher. Um, even further down the list, Boogie Basham is a left side rusher. Uh, above all else, and really the the most natural. Well, I guess Von Miller would be the most natural right side rusher, but um, the most natural of the rest uh, on the right side is AJ Epinesa. So we could see him get uh, a pretty substantial chunk of snaps uh, in in this opening game. But Von, to me, how how he wins? It's I think it's notable that um, like we've we've said all the time that. Guy, the guys on the team recognize when when guys on the team are doing well and and when they're playing really well and 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 they will make make note of it. And I watched uh, an interview that Stefan Diggs with did with uh, Matthew Barry yesterday, who now works for NBC Sports Edge. Um, and <laughs> Matthew Barry asked him for like a new face that. That could that could surprise some people, and and Dig said Von Miller, <laughs> which is a funny answer because uh, he is a new face, but I think he meant it because Von is a 33 year old pass rusher, but in the way that he has looked at times throughout uh, throughout the summer and in training camp, he's looked unblockable at times. So if he can transition that into the regular season and certainly the keeping him fresh element needs to be top of mind you know how much do they utilize him because usually with the the way that they've done it has been been around the 60 65 percent mark at most for their defensive ends and Vaughn has has made no bones about it that he wants to be out there at all times I think it's just they just need to have a frank conversation and say, okay, we don't we don't need you 90% of snaps in weeks one through twelve. Like, sure, if the season is starting to go haywire and they need to push for a playoff spot, then maybe incorporate him a little bit more. But managing those reps early on in the year are are going to be is going to be paramount to what he is by the end of the season. And I think they're they're smart about that. I think they're cognizant. Um, and certainly that's why guys like AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson potentially need to play a big role here. I think the other part of it is how much does Von Miller seed the left side to Greg Rousseau? Because Miller can play both sides. Rousseau, he's not much of a right defensive end. He is at his best um, with his with his plant foot and and how he the arm he utilizes to punch the the offensive tackle like the left side is where he is at he is at his best and i had a conversation with um bill's defensive line coach eric washington just yesterday we're recording this on tuesday i talked to him on monday and he he 
he made it a point to say that Miller has been really selfless in um, not forcing lining up on the left side to help further Russo's development, which I thought was a a nice little hat tip to where Miller is at this point in his career as not only a player and but a mentor because you look at all his Denver tape. He is left side rusher, left side rusher, and that's where some of his best reps um, uh, come come from. So I guess it's really a, a point into which how they use him and whether or not they're okay with him only lining up on the right side or lining up on the right side a majority of time. Or maybe is this a three, like a Von Miller and then a uh, a dual starter combination with Greg Rousseau on some snaps with Von Miller and then AJ Epinesa on some snaps with Von Miller. I think that is a way this could potentially go as well. But the pass rush by all means, those young guys, one of them, at least one of them have to pop this year. And I'm not putting Ed Oliver in this conversation because I think he's going to have a really nice year. But they need some form of production from Rousseau, who I didn't even realize this until I went back and looked. Rousseau went through a stretch last year. He had four sacks total. He had three sacks early into the season. Then nine full games that he played went by where he did not have a sack and then finally got his, his fourth sack at the end of the year and didn't have another one. That that inconsistency can't be. He definitely hit a rookie wall. AJ Epinesa, two and a half sacks to his name throughout his entire career. Boogie Basham could barely get on the active list last year. Someone needs to pop this year to where they can give the Bills a third pass rusher to where this is an overwhelming unit. Because the difference between um, the Rams when they had Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd uh, last year to when they had Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and and Von Miller was humongous, and they were unblockable. So now that is the next step. They need one of these young guys to hit. Preferably, they get two of them. But but uh, you know, hitting on thirty three percent of your first and second round pass rushers is not exactly asking asking a lot for a, a roster development. So that's. That's why I, I, I think this pass rushing idea is, is so um, gripping, uh, especially early on in the season. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we've talked about the secondary and the young corners and, you know, the safety's getting a little bit older. It would be a nice boost to the Bills' defense if that group didn't have quite as much pressure on it every single week. And 
if the defense, you know, if the coverage isn't perfect, that the defense can still function. And that's, you know, the pass rush is the prerequisite for that. So that's a, you know, in the short term, I think a big storyline with this team as Tredavious White is sidelined and they have some young corners getting their first NFL experience. You have to wonder, especially against against the Rams, what that will look like if they can't put pressure on the quarterback because mm-hmm. the Rams have a ton of talent at receiver. And, you know, they've got Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, regardless of, of what's up with his, his throwing arm, uh, is still, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, those weapons – it was a dangerous passing offense last year. So they're going to need the pass rush in the short term. They need it over the long haul of the season, but I think it's a big, big piece of the puzzle on Thursday night too. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Thursday night, I, I think it's time we get into, uh, get into some game talk. Um, you know, we, we did big picture. And so the bills taking on the Rams, I have, once again, done my thing where I forget to look at the line a- ahead of time. Um, two and a half. Bills were favored by two and a half last I looked. Two and a half. What's what's the uh, what's the line? Wasn't it like fifty one and a half, fifty two points or something like that? The over the under is escaping me. Um, the line might have moved. Two and a half. Uh, People have been hitting the over a lot. I noticed two and a half point dogs or two and a half point favorites on the road is another sign of of the respect that that the bills are getting um 52 and a half is the over under right now that's that's interesting substantial yeah that's a (laughs) that's a large over under but warranted yes so let's get let's get right into it the the Bills versus Rams, obviously the the Cooper Cup, uh, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Leonard. Uh, I'm sorry, Leonard Floyd. Um, the, those are the marquee names. Jalen Ramsey, who has kind of gone through like getting back from an injury uh, throughout the summer. Those are the the marquee guys. And Allen Robinson getting added to the mix here. Um, so let's let's go straight to the pick here, Matthew Fairburn, the Shaq Lawson. Uh, Meditation. That's the word. The Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. Bills versus Rams. Bills favored by two and a half. Over under 52 and a half. Who wins? Who covers the spread? Who hit? What does the over under do and why? Yeah, this is tough because both teams, I mean, the Bills have shown, I think, over the last couple of years that in big games that Josh Allen rises to the occasion and has started to really perform his best in these situations. And this is another almost on par with an early playoff game, like a wild card or divisional round where the whole world, the whole football watching world has their eyes on you. And I think Josh Allen has has learned to excel in those games and in those moments but the Rams are really good to start the season as well. And Sean McVay has had a long time to prepare for this Buffalo defense. So I think it's a great 
a great opening night matchup, you know, of two two teams that have worthy Super Bowl aspirations and are are really, I mean, some of the matchups that the, the Rams can take advantage of with their receivers against these corners, mm-hmm. I think is dangerous. But I like I like the Bills to start the season with a win and cover the the two and a half points just because of the way Josh Allen has learned to handle these games. The way he finished the season showed a lot about who he is becoming. And as he goes, so does the rest of the team. So I think about how, you know, the Bills have dealt with this this offense in the past. They have not, you know, seen uh, this version of it with Matthew Stafford and some of the new pieces, but they've they've handled you know, Sean McDermott versus Sean McVay is, is an interesting little uh, chess match of, of scheme, you know, defense versus offense. But I'm betting, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just betting on Josh Allen being able to rise to the occasion and, you know, cover that spread. I think I'm going to take the under as these teams feel each other out. Uh, I feel like there's some leeway in that under, you know, the, the Bills could win 27-23, and it's still under. 27-24 mm-hmm. is still under. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet the farm on it. I, I have to be careful now with uh, mobile betting being legal in New York State. I, I, you know, I, I am not a I am not a doctor. I am not a physician. So uh, <laughs> please consult your physician before uh, placing any real American currency on these on these predictions. Uh, I am not remotely confident and would not put any of my own money on these, but I, I like the bills <laughs> to cover the two and a half points and I'm taking the under because I think the, these defenses are pretty good. And, and, you know, sometimes it can take offenses a bit to, to figure things out, but I don't know that, that could come back to bite me if these teams are both in the thirties, but by the fourth quarter, I, I, for one am shocked. You, have changed my friend since since uh you you left us for a year because never did i know a matthew fairburn to advise well maybe not advise advise is a strong word the under you've been on team over for years i'm a father now and i like bad <laughs> stuff i like low scoring football games i like running the football uh good hard-nosed defense and the unders. offensive line play <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, all right, so I think I think there's a there's a few compelling elements to uh, to the game here this week from a matchup perspective. You you lightly touched on it. I think the the cornerback versus receiver matchup um, for the Bills cornerbacks and and the Rams receivers that is one that I think can potentially flip this whole thing. Uh, obviously there's Cooper Cup and I want to see exactly how they wind up playing Cooper Cup and not only him but Allen Robinson who's who's on who's on the boundary and now has the best quarterback he has ever played with in his entire career and Matthew Stafford is a uh, receiver elevator um, I mean you've seen guys have their statistically best seasons with Stafford uh, because of how well he can 
he can sling it around and and how smart he is back there and I I, I feel feel good for him that he is finally receiving his due because he has long been such a uh, such a good quarterback that that was a bit underrated in that regard um, so how they how the Bills wind up defending Cooper Cup is top of mind above all else because Taron Johnson uh, will line up against him when Cup is in the slot. But when Cooper Cup kind of like drifts outside of the boundary, do they have Taron Johnson travel with him because they don't they don't want Cup to be one-on-one with Dane Jackson or Kyir Elam or Christian Benford? Um, or do they just stick with what got them there and have Taron Johnson line up where he usually does? Uh, and uh, and you know allow one of the one of the younger inexperienced players to kind of deal with that. I also kind of wonder if the Rams are going to try and force the Bills' hand at all and try and run the ball um, with heavier personnel to get Taron Johnson off the field and force those those two young cornerbacks to be on an island, whether it's, you know, Jackson's going to be out there, but whether it's Benford or Elam, I think that's that's a potential element to this game that that uh, could occur. Uh, the on, on the flip side, I think the Bills have a really strong chance of being able to um, get in the backfield against Matthew Stafford. Don't love the Rams' offensive line. Andrew Whitworth retired. Now Joe Noteboom moves out to left tackle. Um, they've they've got some question marks on the offensive line, and uh, and so they they should be able to have a bit of an impact. But will the ball be out before they even get back there? And then and then on the other side, I think I think the Bills will be able to uh, should be able to handle the exterior rushing from from the Rams. But it it all depends on how they handle Aaron Donald and uh, whether or not Aaron Donald they try and you know force those two guys onto one side. Uh, against Ryan Bates and Spencer Brown, I'm rambling, but there's a there's a lot of individual matchups here that I that I think are are pretty telling. You call it rambling, despite all I say stalling. The people want stalling. The pick. Oh no, I've got my pick. pick. I I made my pick last night on uh, on our good friend Matt Bovey's uh, television show. So those in Buffalo that watched probably already saw this. I am taking. The over, good sir, and how dare you for for advising the under? I'm taking the over in a 38 to 33 game because I think these these two offenses can really get off to a fast start with you know maybe some some struggles of of the defense early on. But I'm taking the Rams to win this game. Um, oftentimes, the home team on these Thursday night games are are uh, usually the victors. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, emotion stirred up from the Rams and being their, you know, their their Super Bowl celebration continued. They're going to want to put on a good show for for their home uh, for their home audience. Um, and honestly, I think uh, the Sean McVay in opener factor should not be. Uh, thrown to the side either since he became the head coach of the LA Rams the Rams are undefeated in their season openers he's 5 and 0 so i, I just i like both of these teams a ton i think the bills are going to have a really good season uh, but i think the rams and how they can exploit those cornerbacks are is going to be the biggest 
matchup flipper of the game. And to me, I, I, I just don't know that, that the Bills will have enough to be able to overcome that. So I've got the Rams winning 38-33, to 33, hitting the over, and of course the Rams covering the spread. That would be a dandy of an opener. I, you know, I'm just thinking about the Bills' last game and how, like, it's just like this back and forth sort of thing. And Matthew Stafford is such a gamer. I can totally see that happening in this one. It was the Rams and Chiefs that played the initial wild uh, game, wasn't it? Was that the one a few years ago in the middle of the season that was like so. in the 50s or something? Uh, oh, that sounds that was right. One of the craziest games the world had ever seen. So. There is a high potential for chaos. Oh, yeah. We love chaos around, around these parts. Absolutely. All right. So, so um, the Bills taking on the Rams on Thursday night. I uh, will be flying out to L.A. And we will talk to you. Uh, we, we'll have that podcast posted some at some point on Friday. We got to figure out when the hell to record it, to be perfectly frank with you, because of Pacific Coast time and, uh, and late game. Yeah, it's... Uh, that's a bit of a logistical nightmare. But we will have an episode for you at some point on Friday. I promise you that. All right. So, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell before we we hit the bricks to the first game of the season? Uh, safe travels to you and and safe watching or travels to, <laughs> to those who will be uh, participating in this game as a fan. Uh this it's a long season. Don't burn yourself out too quickly. Uh, it's a it's a week night. It's a school night. So behave yourselves out there. Uh, and if you're traveling, <laughs> enjoy uh, enjoy L.A. It's beautiful this time of you're, year. It's beautiful all times. You're of year. really you are really leaning hard into this dad bit this episode, <laughs> and I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's you got to pace yourself. It's uh, <laughs> you know you got to get up for work on Friday morning. You you, you can't you can't go go too hard after after week one it's a long season <laughs> uh, sage advice as as per usual all right so for Matthew Fairburn my name is Joe Biscalia thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Buffalo beat and we will talk to you after the game at some point see you then Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.